Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes it won't do sideways. Sometimes it won't do straight up now. songbook let's stand together turn to number 50 this morning number 50 we're going to sing there's power in the blood number 50 let's sing it out good and strong this morning Thank God for that wonder-working power 
it did such a work in my soul. I know it did the same in yours. Amen. Thank God for salvation through the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thankful that we are on our way to heaven. Amen. Thankful that it's already already settled. Amen. We're not working our way there. We're not trying to earn it. Amen. We've already got it paid for. Amen. Listen, I'm just like a man sitting waiting on vacation. Amen. It's already all expenses are paid by Jesus. And I'm just waiting till this old work day's over. Amen. And we can get out of here and head home. Amen. Praise God. It's good to be in church with you. We come here and get a rest anyway. Amen. Come in here and catch our breath and, 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 and at least talk about where we're headed. It's so good to be able to do that and get around people that are headed to the same place. Amen. Because I'm around so many throughout the week who so I don't know where they're I don't know where they're headed. Amen. Half of them ain't got no clue, I don't think. But but I tell you what, if you know Jesus, Amen, there's no doubt in your mind. Amen. Prayer requests this morning. I want to say first of all, before we before we before you mention anything, I had asked this morning for prayer for uh, Lydia Howe, little girl. She's uh, my friend on Facebook. I've known him for probably 15 years on Facebook, never seen him in person, but we're close friends on there. He's a preacher of the Word of God and, and a faithful one, too. And uh, his little girl went in surgery this morning, about 7 this morning, and he said that she came through it wonderful. Everything went just right, and she's resting comfortably in her room. They were worried she might die during the process because she has a massive aneurysm in her brain. She was born with it. And they told her when she was when they were when she was born, take her home, enjoy her, love her because she won't be here long. Well, she's I don't remember how old she is. But I think she's eight or nine now, and uh, she does she's nonverbal, autistic, but she's a sweet little girl and loved by her family, and we're thankful that she's okay, and uh, and hopefully she's going to get better. She's had been running in fever with infection, has necrosis where they removed uh, where they removed some. Uh, well, they worked on getting a shunt out of her head. I think they did some surgery. But anyway, and uh, they, they corrected that today. So hopefully she's going to be better and can get to go home soon. She's been in the hospital now for about three or four months. So I pray for that family. They've had to relocate from West Virginia to Cincinnati uh, on account of her being in the hospital. So pray for them. They're going through all kinds of things. And he's the one that had the son who just passed away who had, um, I can't remember uh, I can't remember the disease he had, but he's found a wheelchair his whole life. But anyway, pray for them, others. I saw her on a week ago, uh, Friday, and she was doing okay, not doing well. I saw her this time, and she came she couldn't understand. She then went down to and so I just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at that point, just pray for God. Just just be merciful. Other prayer requests this morning. Yes. Okay. They had to rush her friend to Springfield, Missouri, because she felt 10 feet and didn't all the shit that we They're in their 60s. Goodness. He... We'll lift him up and for God knows him and knows all about it. Mm-hmm. We lift it up, God God deal right with it. He knows the whole situation. That's amazing, you know. We go, all we gotta do is mention somebody and even though we don't know him, God knows the whole thing. And we don't have to know it all. Yes, Miss Charlotte. All right, lift up Pam White and first. Was you done with your sister? Mm-hmm. It was okay. Anybody else? 
this morning? Brother Dan? Trying to yesterday. I hate so much. Yeah. You need to learn to love it because it keeps you from hurting yourself. Yeah. Yep, you got to learn to love it. Amen. I, there's lots of things that you have to learn to love that you don't <laughs> that you don't want to, but, but praise God, you know. But anyway, we're praying for you, brother, praying for Sister Anya, too. Anybody else this morning? Aubrey, you feeling better? No, you've been feeling kind of rough. All right, well, praying you get feeling better. Amen. Amen. All right. Yes, Mom. Huh? Unspoken, okay. You got unspoken? Okay, all right. All right, I got several of those, too. Anybody else before we go to the Lord in prayer this morning? All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Well, before we do, because I need to throw a few announcements out, uh, I want to remind you again, lest it slip our mind, that not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, we're going to have our our, our uh, Thanksgiving fellowship meal here at the church, okay? It'll be, it'll be at 7 o'clock on November the 15th, and I'm going to do all the cooking. You don't have to do anything but come and, and sit down and eat. And uh, I've been thinking about it. I think we may... We may end the meal with the Lord's Supper. I think that'd be a good way to do it. That's kind of how they kind of how they did it in the in the early church. They end, they had a fellowship meal, and then they ended that with the Lord's Supper. So anyway, but but I want you to be here and and try to try to make sure everybody else in church knows and encourage them to be here so we can fill that uh, fellowship hall up and enjoy a good time of fellowship and and uh, worshiping the Lord together. Anything else before we go to the Lord in prayer? Well, we're going to do that. Let's do that right now. I didn't know we'd do it before or after, but we'll do it now. Let's do it right now. Mama's 82. Amen. Hallelujah. 82 years old. She lived on Highway 82 for a long, long time. Now she is 82. Amen. All right. Let's say, you ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. And Scott's coming in the door. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You be seated.
praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer, the promise of God, the violent defender, who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon received. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he had done. Great things he had taught us, great things he had done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our friends, Lord, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come. To the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he had done. Amen. He sure done some great things in my life. Amen. Can you testify the same? Amen. Let's turn to number 53. When I survey the wondrous cross... When I survey the wondrous cross On which the Prince of Glory died By riches gate I count but loss And for contempt on all my pride Forbid it, Lord, Bye. 
my soul, my life, my all. I know you're probably not familiar with that song, but boy, the words ought to ring true in your heart. Amen. Listen to that last verse. Were the whole realm of nature mine, if I owned everything you could see, that would be a present far too small to give to my Lord. Love so amazing, so divine that he showed to me demands my my soul, my life, and my all. That's what he deserves from me. Amen. Praise God. Turn to number 60. Number 60 this morning. I must leave so home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall never get sight of the gates of life. It's the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Go on in the blood-sprinkled way, the path that the Savior trod. If I ever climb to the heights of life, where the soul is at home with God, the way of the cross leads home, the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. Then I bid farewell to the way of the world, to walk in it nevermore. For my Lord says, come, and I seek my home, where he waits at the open door. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. Amen. Praise God. Well, glory. It's good to be in church this morning. Y'all pray for me. I'm going to do a song I'm used to doing, but I'm changing the key, so. Pray for me. I'll get it right. I'll play it right anyway. Then I want to share something wonderful with you.
Yes, I told this this morning already, so some of y'all already know it, but you can be just as happy the second time. Amen. Well, I was yesterday, I was getting ready for the message, and uh, so my wife was back home and getting ready to go to a wedding, and, and the house was full of women getting ready for going to weddings, and, you know, when that's going on, men generally want to get out of the house, and, and uh, but that, that was the case, and so I, I went outside, and and I've got a little a little office area outside office where I where I smoke barbecue stuff and got my pit out there and and the pit's got a nice little wooden ledge and I got my iPad set up there got a lawn chair I'm sitting outside got my coffee it's a nice pretty day dogs sitting at my feet and my wife's aunt lives with us out in one of our in our our outbuilding there it's concrete building anyway. Nice floor in there. Anything, ever what I'm trying to say is she lives there, and and she's got she's got her grandkids that come over and she keeps them quite regularly, and so one of them is, is eight, and I think one of them's like three or four. They're two little boys and the girl's eight, and uh, and so I'm sitting there trying to get my sermon ready, and they come over and want to throw the ball with the dog. And uh, so the dog's running between my legs, bringing me the ball, because I'm used to, I'm the one that throws the ball to the dog, and she brings it back, and I throw it again, and she brings it, we do that all day long sometimes. And so the little girl wants to throw the ball, but every time I throw the ball, she throws the ball, the dog brings it back to me, so I can't stay out of the deal. So they keep getting me involved, and I can't study, and I'm just getting frustrated. I said, well, 
Let me just stop for a minute. I'll, I'll just wait a minute. Maybe they'll go on. Well, they just kept playing. So I, I turned the video on. I'm watching preaching. I'm just kind of listening to some preaching. And the little girl, Evelyn, she walks over to me and she said, how do you understand all that? I said, well, I just know what the words mean. And, and you know, it's God's word. I said, I just, once you know what the words mean, it's not that hard. And, and, and she just started asking me questions. And she was asking me one after another. And and uh, we got talking about sin. We got talking about Adam and Eve. We got talking about how we inherit sin. Uh, we talked about all kinds of things. We talked about heaven. We talked about hell. We talked about things for about an hour and a half. And I answered all her questions she had. And by the time that hour and a half was done, well, Evelyn was concerned about her soul. And and she told me, she said, I, you know, I want to go to heaven that would, you know, and I made sure she understood that everything Jesus had done for her, and and she did, and she was ready, and she sat there, and we 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 sat and we prayed, and we trusted. She trusted Jesus as her Savior yesterday, and I praise God. And I was telling I was telling Sunday school class, you know, I thank God I didn't try to brush them off and send them back into the to where their grandma was. I could have easily done that and said, Hey, I'm busy. Y'all need to go. But praise God, sometimes we're so busy we don't see the the blessings God has set right in front of us. The work that we think is so important is not nearly as important as God's work, even when we're doing God's work. Because I was certainly doing God's work, but God said, hey, that, that right there is important, but that's not nearly as important as this soul right here. And God wanted me to see that. And I only share that with you, number one, to encourage you that you can do the same thing I did. I didn't do anything that was complicated. I simply shared with her what I knew to be true. And she asked me this question. She said, if my mama's not saved, can I do what you just did for me with my mama? I said, yeah, you sure can. You can tell her exactly what I told you. And she said, wow. She was excited. See, we get older in the faith. We forget we can do that. Amen. We forget that's why we're here and what we're called to do. Immediately, I mean, brand new convert. The first thing she said to me, is my mama saved? Can my brothers get saved? Is my grandma saved? Is Stephanie saved? She wanted to know if everybody was saved. You know what? That's how I know she got saved because you don't worry about other people being saved if you're not saved. Amen? And so, you know what? Those of us that are saved, we need to be concerned about other people that aren't saved. And I just said that say that. Amen? All right. Let's get into the Bible this morning. Galatians chapter 1. Amen? Galatians chapter 1. We are kept, amen, kept by grace, kept free from the penalty of the law, amen? Praise God, the law, I mean, I say by the penalty, the, the, we cannot be punished, amen, because of the law, because we are kept by grace. We cannot fall from grace if we've been saved by grace, amen? We're no longer under the law. We are under grace if we are in Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that this morning, amen? So you 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 pray with me this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to get into the message and we're going to finish this chapter from verse 10 on down. So let's go ahead and pray, and let's get into the message. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Father, for the truth. We thank you, Lord, for salvation by grace through faith in Jesus and nothing else. Thank you, Lord, this morning for little Evelyn trusting you as her Savior. And, Lord, I just praise you for using me to, to be the vessel to, to get the message to her. And, Lord, that's such a thrill and a privilege in my life, Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, that that all the folks under the sound of my voice realize they can enjoy that too. They can get in on that too because there's lost souls all around us and everybody needs to be a soul winner. Lord God, I just praise you and I ask you, please use me. Speak through me this morning. 
Give me your grace, your mercy, and your power. Pour out your unction on me and use me for God's glory. And I want to magnify my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, praise God. All right, let's get into this and let's start. We're going to jump right off into it, amen. Galatians 1, beginning in verse 10. Paul, Paul says this, he says, for, for now do I persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant. Remember last week, amen, he was talking about another gospel, which is not another. There were people who tried to corrupt the simplicity of the gospel. They tried to add works to it. Who were those people? They were the Judaizers. They were the ones who came uh, They came from Jerusalem. They came to try to add circumcision. They tried to add the law to it. They tried to make people a Jew first before they could be a Christian. They said, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to become a Jew. You're going to have to, to be a proselyte and convert to Judaism, follow all the Old Testament law, do all the things that you're to do, make all the sacrifices, observe all the feasts, get circumcised, do all that. Once you become a Jew, then you can, get, can be a Christian. Is that true? No. Thank God. Amen. Thank God Christ has nailed all that to the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. So Paul is saying, listen here, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, he said, do I persuade men or God? He said, I'm not trying to talk God into changing anything. I'm talking to y'all. Amen. I'm talking to men. Amen. For do I seek, do I seek to please men? Am I trying to, am I trying to tickle y'all's ears? No, I'm telling you the truth. He said, for if I please men, I shouldn't be the servant of Christ because, hey, I'm, I'm his servant. I'm not your servant. Amen. And by the way, I'm going to tell you, I love every one of you in here, but I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you the truth. If you don't want to hear the truth, too bad. I'm sorry. That's what I'm in the business of doing is telling what God said. Amen. So it, 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 even, if, even if some of it hurts, amen, praise God, it's true. You know, we always say, well, the preacher, it don't bother him none. He's the one preaching it. So you know what? Sometimes I'm slaying myself when I'm up here preaching. You don't even know it. And I done done it. I done done it at the house before I got here with it. Amen. I mean, it's been beating me up for 24 hours before I ever bring it to you. Amen. Sometimes it's that way. But I want to, I want to talk to you this morning. We're going to talk about religion, how useless it is. Amen. That's what. That's really the message here in this this morning. But Paul saying, I, I I'm not trying to please anybody but Jesus. He said, for I certify you, brethren. I, I'm telling you the honest, honest to God truth that the gospel which I which was preached to me is not after man. Nobody painted what Paul had. Nobody added to or took away from what Paul had. Nobody said, but you can't do this and you can't say that. This ain't popular. This is we're not we don't like that. They don't want to hear this. There. Nobody told him none of that. He said, I neither received it of man. Neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is he saying? God revealed all of it to me. God himself revealed this to Paul. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which was preached unto you, which ye have received, wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Where did he get it? He 
He got it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He got it. Hey, listen, he got it on the road to Damascus when Jesus spoke to him and let him know, I'm the one you're persecuting. It's me, Jesus. And it was that moment Paul realized, I've been fighting the Lord, and I need to be saved by the Lord. Jesus revealed himself to, to Paul on the road to Damascus, but that ain't the only place. He went ahead and revealed later more things to him, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But he says, I delivered unto you that which I also received, how that, Christ, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Not according to how he wanted to die, not according to how he somebody else said he should die, but he did it exactly as the Word of God said he was going to, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Again, exactly as the Word of God prophesied that he would. Amen? Praise God. Verse 13 and 14, Paul said, For ye have heard of my conversation in the times past of the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my fathers. All right? Now, let's focus on the first thing he said. You've heard of my conversation in times past in the Jewish religion. First of all, let me just say this. Religion is always a system of works. It's always a system. I hate religion. Can we say that again? I hate and detest religion. Religion will send a man to hell. I have a relationship. I don't have religion. I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't have religion. Religion is about works. Salvation is of the Lord. Religion is of man. Amen? Salvation is of the Lord. Religion is of man. The Jews' religion was something different than the Lord had instructed Moses in. When God gave Moses the law, what he was doing, what they were doing out there in the wilderness, that's so much different than what was going on when Jesus showed up on the scene and they were there in the temple. That was so much different. That, you know, you had a lot of tradition and politics and, 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 and Babylonian influence and all kinds of things that were brought in amongst the Jews' religion. They had turned it into a political party for the most part, several of them actually. And, and it wasn't just one. You had Pharisees, Sadducees, and you had, you, I can't remember what, the, the Zealots. You had all kinds of different ones. All right? So the, the religious leaders at that time, they had power over the people. They controlled the people, and they liked it that way. They, you know the Catholics liked it that way, that they controlled their people? You know, the, the Islamics like it that way, that they control their people. And so do the Mormons, and so do the Jehovah's Witnesses, and so do any group outside of Christianity that has power over their people. Listen, there's, there's, there's denominations within Christianity where they teach that you can lose your salvation, and, and anything, and any group that teaches you can lose your salvation have power over the people. So how is that so? Because salvation is only in Jesus Christ. So they're giving them false hope of heaven, first of all, any way outside of Jesus Christ. I mean, let me just clear this up. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way. So Jesus is the, the way, okay? He didn't say I'm a way. I'm the way. 
I am the truth. There ain't other truth. There's only him. And he said, I am the life. There ain't no life anywhere else. It's only in him. And he said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So either Jesus is a liar and all these other people are telling the truth or all the other people are lying and Jesus is the one telling the truth. It's just that easy. It's that simple. So Paul says, now listen, they, they had power. Why? They wanted to control people. Again, and, and, and listen, that's the main reason they rejected Jesus. Because when Jesus come on the scene, they said, hey, we don't want him coming in here. He's going to take our power away. Do you know they knew he was the Messiah? They knew it. Nobody could do the things that he did. No man spake the way he spoke. They knew that he was the Messiah, but they didn't want to lose their grip on their power, so they rejected him and, and had him crucified. Fear of losing their power. Do you know that's why all men reject Jesus? That's why all men, women, boys, and girls reject Jesus that reject him, because they're afraid of losing their own power to control their own lives the way they want to. That's right. That's the reason why people throw heaven away. They say, I want to have my own personal heaven down here, and if I go to hell, fine. That's fine. I'll burn in hell, but I'm going to have a party down here. I'm going to have fun right now. They throw everything away for the immediate. So we see in, in verses 13 and 14, I want you to look here, 13 and 14, some things that religion does. Okay? In verse 13, first of all, we see that religion persecutes. You see it there? And you've heard of my conversation, which, again, conversation, that word there don't mean we're talking about something. It's talking about observing the way someone lives their life, how they conduct themselves in their life. So my conversation, the way I lived my life in the time past when I was in the Jews' religion is what Paul's saying. Okay? So he said, in the times past in the Jews' religion, he said, how did, now get this, beyond measure, that means overly and abundantly, over the top, over the top, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. He was hell-bent on everybody dying that named the name of Christ. He didn't just want to slap them on the wrist. He wanted them beaten, bloody to a pulp, begging for mercy. Please don't hit me again. Please don't kill me. I'll renounce him. Please. That's what he wanted from every believer. This is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. He was a maniacal, murdering killer. We don't think about that, but that's what he was. He was mad, and he wanted all of them dead. He was full of anger toward Jesus. He held the coat of the men who stoned Stephen. He was glad to do it while they killed that man for preaching Christ. He said, I did it beyond measure. He said, why would he do that? Okay, well, let's look at it for a minute. Because religion puffs a man up. It makes you think you're good. You're better than you think you are. i got religion. I'm a good person. I can't tell you. I mean, I don't know. There's no way me to tell you. But, you know, in times past, I've done a lot of door knocking. I mean, I've knocked on thousands of doors in my in, in my life. I don't do it near as much anymore. And shame on me. I hope to do it more than I do. I don't do cold calling like I used to. But, boy, when I have in the past, let me tell you something. There are some rude people in the 
There are some mean people in this world. There are some hateful people in this world. And I never came to somebody anything but kind. But, I, boy, I've had some ugly words spoken to me. I've had doors slammed in my face. I've had insults hurled at me. I've had people chase me down the sidewalk saying ugly things. I had a woman chase me across the park, and I was sick. They don't come out around here with that stuff. We don't want to hear that stuff around here. All I wanted to bring her was Jesus. I wasn't trying to hurt anybody. I wasn't trying to berate anybody. I came to tell them a message of salvation, grace, grace. You don't, you don't have to buy it. It's grace. It's free. But see, people get puffed up. We're proud Catholics. Slam. You know who was the ugliest to me out of everybody I've ever talked to? It was some Jewish people. They won't hear it. I brought Jesus to their doorstep. They spit in my direction. They don't want that. It puffs them up. And what do people do when they get puffed up? They get proud. So you're proud. I'm proud. I'm a proud Catholic, or I'm a proud this, or I'm a proud that. I've heard people talk like that. Well, when you get full of pride and somebody comes at you with something you don't agree with, what do you do? You get angry. Don't come at me with that stuff. Don't you preach that Bible around me. Boy, I've had people so mad. People drive down the road, rolling away now, screaming cuss words at somebody holding up a sign with Scripture on it. Seen that happen? I had, I had a guy was going to our church years ago over in Paris. Me and him got out and did that a little bit. Just, just had some signs of Scripture on it, just Scripture. And it wasn't, you're going to hell, you rotten, filthy sinners. It wasn't nothing like that. It was Scripture about salvation. And we had, had a truckload of guys pull up in the parking lot over at family video parking lot and threatened to whip him in the parking lot for holding up a Scripture sign in Paris, Texas on a Sunday afternoon. Why? Because it makes people angry. When you're full of pride and you're puffed up and you think you know more than God, it'll make you angry for somebody to tell you what God said. And when people get angry, it leads to what? It leads to violence. And, and violence leads to murder. And religion can get murderous. Just look at Islam. What do they do? They take a knife and they cut your head right off. It's a, I seen here recently a video where they took a hole and they were hacking a guy's head off with a hole. I mean, they'll, 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 they'll burn you alive. They'll put you in a cage. They'll run over you with a bulldozer. They'll do whatever they can. I mean, they're a murderous crew. They want them dead. Anybody who's does not, who does not believe that Allah is God is a dead man as far as they're concerned. Let's go back, let's go back in, in Catholicism during the Dark Ages. During the Dark Ages, y'all know that Catholics murdered 50 million believers? Most of them, what we call Anabaptists, Puritans, uh, they went by all kinds of different names, Monetists, Donatists, Tertullians, Waldensians, Oligards, uh, Albigensians, Paulicians, all of them are still, they believe the same thing you and I believe, this Bible. That's what they believe, nothing but this Bible. It wasn't extra biblical doctrine, it was this Bible. What God had given them, the truth that God had given them, some of them way back yonder, they was just what what little passages, what scripture they had, the Old Testament, I mean, the Old Testament and what little copies of the New Testament they had because it was letters being passed around before it was actually put in a book, but they still, they followed God's word. They're our, they're our ancestors in the faith, and yet they were murdered because they would not they would not renounce Christ and, and, and join the Catholic Church. A hundred, I'm sorry, 1,500 years of murder. 50 million martyrs. Now, again, that's what really, Paul said it. It persecutes. He said it. He admitted it. He said, I persecuted them beyond measure. People who, who get caught up in religion, again, they are so intolerant. 
so intolerant. You say, well, you're intolerant. Listen, no, I'm not intolerant. I'll sit there and let somebody ramble on. I'm not going to call them an idiot. I'm not, I, but I'm going to tell them what God says. I'm going to tell them they're wrong. I'm going to tell them what God says, how God says they're wrong. I'm going to tell them what I think. I'm going to tell them what God has said. Because God's the authority, not me. I'm not the authority. God's the authority. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share what God said because I'm his messenger. But, I, but listen, you, you know, you look at atheists. For them, some of the most arrogant people. Well, I'm telling you, they intolerant, man. And you know what? They shouldn't. They shouldn't be. They should say, well, nothing really matters. Shouldn't bother them when somebody tries to prove God exists. Why shouldn't they care? They don't believe it anyway, right? But you start talking about God, will get mad? Why? It's in their name. They're atheists. Say, we don't believe in God. You know, if I really didn't believe in God, I'd just call myself. I wouldn't call myself nothing. Why? Why have to bring God into it if you don't believe in it? Amen? But you take leftists, these people that, that, that believe this, this leftist and communistic agenda, man, they're so, they're so violent. They're so, they're so, they they want to they tear things up. They want to tear things down. They're angry. You can't talk to them. They're, they're belligerent. And, 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 and you take the sodomite crowd. Well, first they was just, well, y'all just, y'all just need to acknowledge us. Well, then you need to accept us. Now you better take what we got. You better like it. We're coming for your kids. You talk about intolerant. Again, that's what religion, and again, those are not religions, but they but they, they act like religion. And what else did he say? Verse 14, Paul said that religion makes a profit. Again, it persecutes, it makes a profit. He said, and I, and I profited in the Jews' religion <coughs> above many my equals in my own nation. Again, when you came in here this morning, you said, well, what, y'all passed the plate. Yeah, we did. And you didn't, nobody said you had to put something in it, did they? I don't recall anybody getting mad when nobody put something in it. You said, well, but you expect us to. Well, you know, God is the one who said you're supposed to give, not me. I mean, if you, you quit giving and church ain't got no money to give me, I guess I starved to death. I mean, that's just the way that goes. But, I mean, I'm not going to get mad at you. Amen. It ain't about profit. We're not here to get rich. Amen. We're not here to profit off anything. Hello. We're not. We're not here for that reason. Grace is free. We're not charging you to come here. Yeah, and there was no membership fee when you joined here, was it, officer? And charge you no dues yet, have we? Uh-uh. No, we ain't going to neither. Won't ever be none. That's right. Because what we have here is free. Amen. But you. But you take the Catholic Church down the road. You know what they believe? They believe in buying indulgences. I don't know if you still do that. You used to. If you want to sin, you go down and, and pay them a fee and buy an indulgence. And, and they wrote you something out and said, now you can go do that and you're forgiven. So you go sin, do what you want to because you, you've been forgiven for it because the church forgave you. Well, I'm sorry, but the church don't, he don't forgive sins. The church don't forgive sins. Pope don't forgive sins. Bishop don't forgive sins. Amen? And, and let's, let's remember purgatory. Y'all know that? That's when, that's when, that's when somebody dies but yet they didn't get to heaven. So what do you do? You pay them out of purgatory. You pay the church money, and they'll get them out of purgatory to heaven for you. That's where they're in there burning for their venial sins or whatever they call it. But, uh, you know, when, and when you go into a Catholic church, I'm not just picking on the Catholics. I'm picking on some others. But when you go into Catholic church, but it's the main one, amen, then you got to buy the candles. They don't even give you the candles. You think they give you the candles. you got to pay for the candles. you gotta, you got to pay for confirmation. you got to pay for the mass. 
uh, again, you go to all these other religions, some of them, and they make you buy magic underwear to wear under your clothes so you're protected. Uh, they, you got to pay membership fees on some of the other ones. You get in Scientology. Uh, they say it's anywhere from hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars to be a part of Scientology, and, and not to mention the mind control and the way they, they run people's lives. I mean, it's, it's amazing what they do there. It's just absolute craziness. And then you then you take the the wild-eyed charismatic uh, folks that are on the TV on the TBN and, and those those kind of things. There's a new breed of those people, and they are they are. There's really no difference between them and the occult. They're using occult things in their services. There's a lot of uh, divine feminine worship, worshiping mother goddess and this kind of thing. There's a whole lot of uh, inference on. Uh, uh, you know, miracles and stuff like that. But God, listen, God's not doing miracles these days. God's not about signs and wonders. He's not dealing with the Jews. He's dealing with the Gentiles. But there's, and again, doctrine goes out the window. It's it's all about, it's very much new age philosophy in these churches. These churches are called, uh, the, the loose term for it is new apostolic reformation. And uh, there's preachers like Francis Chan and, and, uh, and, well, Kenneth Copeland and just that wild-eyed group. You know what I'm talking about. But again, they, they're the ones that say, just send in your seed offering and God's going to pour out a blessing for you. You know, you don't want to get a rescue. You better give, well, you better give a bunch. I mean, you give a big seed offering and by faith you trust God that he'll make you rich. No, God ain't going to make you rich. God is not a genie. But they're the ones who teach all that. That's religion, folks. That's religion. It, 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 it profits. They got to make money off of it. That's why they're there. Amen. They're not there to get people to heaven because they can't get people to heaven any other way than Jesus. Jesus is the door. There's no other way in. And if anybody's teaching anything other than Jesus, plus nothing, minus nothing, then they are leading people to hell and selling them a false bill of goods. In verse 14, we see that religion preaches tradition too. That's just opinions and ideas of men with no basis in Scripture. He said, he said the, the traditions, he said, I was more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Well, what was his fathers? His fathers were, were Pharisees. And again, Acts 23, 6, he said, it says, but when Paul perceived that one part were, were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope and resurrection of the dead, am I called into question? In chapter 26, verses 4 and 5, he said, My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Now, the word sect there means cut off, separate. So, again, he was, he was so much different. He, they, he was a part of a group that was set apart from the rest of the Jews. The Pharisees, again, there was a bunch of them, they, they, they didn't like them because, again, the Pharisees was one basically a political party, and then you had another political party over there. These were religious political parties. And, and, and it was essentially, again, essentially what you have here is a cult. And you say, how do you call it a cult? Well, they weren't following Jesus. And any time you've got somebody who's got a man who's a leader, and they're following that man and his instructions. What's a cult? Amen. Even if it calls itself a church on the outside, if they're following the dictates of a man, whether it be Charles Taze Russell 
whether it be uh, Herbert Armstrong, whether it be uh, 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 Alexander Campbell, whether it be Joseph Smith, whether it, whoever it is. It don't matter if it's a man and I am God. Because God, listen, you say, well, Billy Graham, Billy Graham, and this, that, that. They said, them are just men. Ain't nobody, listen, Charles Spurgeon, Billy Graham, uh, uh, D.L. Moody, all those were just preachers who proclaimed Christ. They, they magnified their Savior. Other men propped them up in their name. They didn't want to be propped up. They wanted to prop up the Lord Jesus Christ for the world to see. But these other groups, they are led by men. That's why we call them cults. And this cult gave Saul religious authority to go arrest and to kill early believers for their faith in Christ. That's what his religion or cult or whatever you want to call it did. Religion deceives you into believing you're doing right even when you're doing wrong. As James 1.16 says, do not err, my beloved brethren. Why did he say that? Because there'll be a lot of things that are going to try to get you to err. Religion is of man. Salvation is of God. Verse 15, Paul said, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me into his grace, by his grace, he said he separated me from my mother's womb. What Paul's saying is, God had a plan for me. God had a plan for me when I was still a little baby in my mother's womb. Can I say to you something? God separated me from my mother's womb too, amen, and he had a plan for me, amen. You know what? God separated you from your mother's womb, and he's got a plan for you as well. I sat there last night, I was like, you know, Paul sounds a lot like Jeremiah. You know, God God called Jeremiah when he was in his mother's womb. And I thought, well, John the Baptist, he was leaping in his mother's womb. Uh, but in three, they're kind of all alike. And I thought, wait a minute, so am I. God called me too. Ain't no difference between me and none of them. Amen. We all got the same kind of calling. Hallelujah. God ain't got to make no junk. He didn't make no second-class citizen. He didn't make people who were useless. God called all of us to have a purpose for the kingdom of God. Amen. He called me by his grace, he said called Saul of Tarsus, a murderer of Christians, a proud religionist by grace, the undeserved, unmerited grace of God, called somebody nobody else would have thought was worth saving. Amen. And he's our apostle. Let me ask you to pray for somebody. Some of y'all seen me mention this on Facebook. But y'all know that y'all y'all have heard of the the, the rock and roll singer Ozzy Osbourne, y'all heard that name. Everybody in here's heard that name, okay? Hey, and, and he's known as the Prince of Darkness, okay? He's supposed to be this evil, spooky character and all this, and he bit the head off a bat one time. He bit the head off a dove one time. He's done all kinds of crazy stunts, and and but get this, hey, now he's done got old, and he's got Parkinson's now, and he's not in good health, and 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 he's starting to realize he's mortal. story where this Christian was had the privilege of being able to meet him and his family. And he not only met him and his family, he carried some gospel tracts to them. He carried a Bible that he had Ozzy's name printed on the front of it. And he sat and he shared Christ with Ozzy and all of his family members, and all of them were interested in the gospel. Now, he left the materials there with him, and he talked to, his, to Ozzy's son, Jack, a little while ago 
few weeks later, and he told him, he said, you know, when we left that, 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 that signing where we were at, where everybody was at, he said we went to the hotel room. He said Ozzy wouldn't leave there until we made sure we had all the materials you left with him, and he set it all on his nightstand table spent the whole next day studying it. Now, I want to tell you something. Somebody almost think God would never save nobody like that. You ought to pray for Ozzy Osbourne, amen? I think God could save him and his whole family. I really do. God got the gospel that close to him. He's interested in it. The Holy Spirit's obviously working on the man who wrote the song Crazy Train, amen? Listen, he can get off the crazy train, get on the Jesus train, go to heaven, amen? All he's got to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe God saved Ozzy Osbourne. I believe God would save would have saved Charles Manson if he would have put his faith in him. Amen. From what I understand, he saved Jeffrey Dahmer in prison. Amen. I don't know that to be true, but according to a lot of things I've heard, Jeffrey Dahmer, who murdered and ate people, got saved by the grace of God. Some people say, I wouldn't go to, I don't want to go to heaven with somebody like that. Well, I don't know how I don't know how in the world you want to go to heaven. Because there ain't nothing but saved sinners in heaven. Amen. God can save anybody if they'll see themselves as a sinner before God and will look to Christ for salvation. He said, he called me by his grace. Verse 16, to reveal his son in me. Now, remember, you saw in verse 10, he said he revealed his son. Not verse 10, but in verse 12, he said he revealed his son to him. Now he's going to reveal his son through him. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately, he said, I conferred not with flesh and blood. Smart man. The worst thing you can do is go get somebody's opinion on it when God's leading you. Amen? If God's giving you a directive, don't sit and go ask somebody what they think about it. Do what God told you to do. Because oftentimes the devil used that person to talk you out of it. God called Paul to reveal his son in him, to preach him. He's our, again, he's our apostle that I might preach him among the heathen. That's the Gentiles. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Uh, again, to reveal his son in me. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 13, Paul said, But it is as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the hearts of man the things that, which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. God has revealed to us the hidden things of God. He's given us things that we couldn't otherwise have. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? I know what, I know what other men are like, because I am one. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God is God. So, hey, he's the one who can tell us what God is like. We can't tell nobody what God is like. We are not God. We're men. But God's able to communicate to us and teach us the things of God. He said, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we, here's why. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God wants you to grow and know and learn and, and be knowledgeable about him, which things we also speak. Not the words which man wisdom teacheth, but the, what, which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. God wants to reveal his son to you and through you to other people. You're a vessel. Just like this cup here is a vessel to carry my coffee around, you are a vessel to carry the grace and the mercy and the love of God around. And just like this coffee cup is not here to hold this coffee and let it get cold, amen, it's to drink while it's warm, amen, the gospel which is in you, the truth which is in you, which is what ought to be warm and hot inside of you, ought to flow to other people and refresh their soul and give them eternal life. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, so that you understand that you understand that God has called you to do something for him, so that you might know the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance of saints. That means the blessings that come when you live a life of service to God and you get home to him. What you've got waiting on you so that you can understand why God wants you to work for him and why it's a blessing to do so. Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. God has a plan for you. He has planned ahead for you to be conformed to the image of his son. He wants you to be like Jesus. He has a plan for you to be like Jesus. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. When you are like Christ, you want to see people get saved. Amen. When you're like Christ, the message of salvation is on your lips. Amen. First Timothy 1, 12 through 16. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Again, he couldn't have done it without God. God's the one who did it. He's the one who equipped him. He's the one who put him there. Who was before a blasphemer? Paul said, before that, I used to cuss God. I was a persecutor. I made people's life miserable. I was injurious. I hurt people. He said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul wasn't joking. He wasn't exaggerating when he said, I'm the chief. I'm the worst sinner you're going to find, what he's saying. He said, how be it for this cause I obtained mercy. You see, sin, sin abounded, but grace did much more abound. Amen. He said, for that, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. You see, God put up with Paul all through that murderous rage and all through that. You think God didn't know that he was going to become Paul the Apostle? Of course he did. And God put up with him through all of his murdering and all of his persecuting and all that to get him to the point to where he got saved. God's long-suffering. God didn't cut Paul off and just kill him somewhere along the way to spare all those martyrs. God said, no, I've got a plan, and it's all working together for good. Even though some are going to die early, even though some are going to, are going to live in sin longer than, than I would want them to, all this is working together for good. Why? To get everybody in here saved. Because if Paul hadn't been saved, you know what? We wouldn't probably got the gospel. I don't know. Maybe God would have done it a different way, but God chose to do it how he did it. Amen? And he said, he said for a pattern, he saved me. Look here. He saved me first for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. In other words, to look and see. If God can save him, save me. That's what Paul says. He picked the worst guy that he could find to make an apostle and change me to show you I can save anybody. Amen. That's good right there. Praise God. So Paul gives his account of what happened. Look at verse 17. He said, neither one of, this is right after the road to Damascus incident. This is right after the scales fell from his eyes. He said, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. I didn't leave there and go up there to the rest of them. He said, but I went into Arabia. He went south. He went south 
southeast, actually, and returned again into unto Arabia. He said, unto Damascus. He said, I went to Arabia. What did he do? He, he went out in the desert. He went out in the desert and got alone with Jesus. Amen? And he got away from religion. That's good thinking. Amen? I don't want to get around nobody else's opinion. What nobody else tells me to do, I'm going to get along where I can hear God's voice and God's voice only. And what happened? Christ revealed God's plan for his ministry and taught him what he was to do. And the Bible said, and he returned again unto Damascus. Now, I've told you before he was out in the desert for three years. I, again, I, that's what I think, but that ain't what I know. I ain't going to sit there and tell you 100% for sure he was out there for three years. He might have been out there three weeks. He might have been out there three days. But I believe he was out there pretty much three, three years. And the reason I say that is because if we look over in Acts chapter 9, and I'm not going to ask you to turn there unless you want to, but Acts chapter 9, verse 19 uh, and following, we see that uh, when he went back to Damascus, he made the religious crowd pretty mad. They wanted him dead. And I don't know how long that took, but let's read it. Let's look at it real quick. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. This, then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. Certain days doesn't sound like three years to me. Now, that's just me. Certain days sounds like it wasn't very long. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue. Now, again, to me, it seems like, you know, again, he, he, he was out there with Christ in the desert, and surely he would have been there long, longer learning than just, just a short while, that he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed. They went, whoa, we never heard this stuff before. They said, is, is this not he that destroyed them, which called on this name in Jerusalem? Isn't that the guy that, that murdered my cousin? Hey, he killed my mama. What's he doing up there preaching now? Surely there were people there in those churches who were related to the people he killed. Don't you know that? There's not like there were thousands of churches everywhere. There was only a couple of churches there. So, I mean, surely some of these people knew the people he killed, and they're like, we can't believe this guy's preaching now. That's exactly what they were saying. They said, it's him. This is the one. And he came hither for that intent. He came here to kill people. That he might bring them bound under the chief priest. He wanted to kill them and arrest them. He wanted to take those back to Jerusalem. And, but Paul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews, which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Was he mean to do that? No, he just preached the truth. He just, it may have upset them that, hey, that he proved them wrong, but still, he preached the truth. Amen. The truth will do that. The truth divides. The truth cuts. The truth hurts. But the truth is right. And it says, and after that many days were fulfilled. Now, again, how many days? I don't know. The Jews took counsel to kill him. They said, we're getting this guy out of here. I had to know. Again, what does religion do? It, it puffs up. It angers. It makes you want to hurt somebody. And then it makes you want to kill them. What they wanted to do to him. Counsel. They got together. They said, we got to figure out a way to kill this guy. But their laying awake was known of Saul. He found out, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. They said, we see him come out of the house, we're going to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Put him in a little little dumb waiter and let him down out. Say, I don't know what dumb, some don't know what dumb waiter is. But anyway, they let him down in a basket down the side of the wall and, and to the ground, and he took off and left. And the Bible said and he was, he, he was come to Jerusalem. And when he got to Jerusalem, it says he assayed 
to join himself to the disciples. In other words, he tried to join himself to the apostles, the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And believe not, he was a disciple. They said, "You're a murderer. We know you. You're you're that guy. We're not letting you in here. You want you want to hurt us. We're not letting on." And then it says, "Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and abode with him for fifteen days." Now I really wonder what that visit went like. And the reason I say I wonder what that visit went like is because what Peter was Peter was the one who was the the voice of Jesus. He was the one who stood up amongst the others and preached on the day of Pentecost. You know, he was the one who preached at Cornelius' house. And now all of a sudden this Paul guy is coming up here and going to come up and meet with him. And you're going to see in the next chapter, Paul's going to get in his face and, talk, and get loud with him. They had some disagreements. So I kind of wonder what this visit was like. In verse 19, we're almost wrapping this up, y'all. But, uh, but other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. So he was the only one he saw. Now hold on a minute. Mary was a virgin. That's very important that we realize our Savior was born of a virgin. But Mary did not stay a virgin. Amen? The Catholic Church preaches and teaches that she was a perpetual virgin. That means from then on she was a virgin. They call her the Queen of Heaven, by the way. By the way, yes, they call Mary the Queen of Heaven. By the way, it's the same name for the Babylonian goddess Semiramis. That's what they called her in the Old Testament. So they have gave that name to Mary in the new te- or in in this modern world by the Catholic Church. But again, she's not a perpetual virgin, and we can see that Mark chapter six verse three proves this to us, where he, these people were asking about Jesus, saying, "Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simon?" Had four brothers there. Are not his sisters, at least plural, with us. So at least there were seven children altogether, including Jesus. At least. I'm sorry, she wasn't a virgin. She had a bunch. <clears throat> now, let's continue on. Verse 20, Now these things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came to the region of Syria, and, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which was in Christ. Now, these were Jewish churches, which are in Judea, southern kingdom of Israel. So these are churches with no Gentiles. These are just Jews filled with believers, Jewish believers who trusted Christ. So, again, he went there to them. Uh, and, and then it says in verse 23 and 24, and we're done, but they had heard only. They had only heard about him that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which he once destroyed. And they glorified God in me. Now, let me just, let me just close this message with this thought. <clears throat> Paul did not have religion. Paul had Jesus. And when Jesus comes in, there's a total transformation. That little girl, little cousin, my wife yesterday, she sat there in that chair and she looked at me. She said, I feel so different on the inside. I feel clean. I feel brand new. Something different. I feel different. When you have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, there is a difference in you. You feel different. It's not a feeling. You know you're different. 
You have been washed of your sins. You're not the same. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Have you been made new? Are you different than you were? I'm not saying are you perfect. I know we fall down. We need forgiveness daily. But is there a change in you? Change in you? Do you feel guilt over your sin? Do you want to get closer to your Savior? You know, again, Paul said, listen, they had heard about me. I was unknown by faith, but they'd heard of me. They'd heard only. People have heard about you too. Hear me this morning, we're almost done. People have heard about you too. They, they, there's people who've heard that you know Jesus. They've heard that you're a Christian. They heard that you got saved. Can they see a difference in your life? You know, I'm in church this morning. That's not what I'm asking you. You, you can put a skunk in the oven, but that won't turn it into a biscuit. You understand? You can park a lawnmower in the garage, but that don't make it a car. You can put anybody in a church, but that won't make them a believer. These people sits on a church pew and dies on a church pew and goes to hell because they never got saved on the inside. Can people see a difference in you because there is a difference in you? And when they look at your life, do they glorify God in you? That's what Paul said. When they looked at my life, they saw what I once was. And they saw what I had changed into by the grace of God, and they said, glory to God. When people look at you, is that what they say? If not, you ought to ask why not. Let's stand together. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to turn to 118, and we're going to sing a song of invitation this morning in just a moment. <clears throat> and as we pray, and I, I want you to pray. I'm not asking you to listen to me pray. I'm asking you to pray. We're going to sing 118, I need thee every hour. I'm going to tell you, you need him. You need him every hour, you need him every minute, you need him every second, because anything you do without him, you're going to mess up. You need God. If others can't see Jesus in you, why not? And if you can't, if they can't, and you know it's because you're in the way, get out of the way. Give it to God. Lay it down. Let God have you. Turn it over to him. Stop wrestling things away from you. Let's let God have a look. Father, I pray, Lord, you bless this invitation. Please speak to hearts. Please, Lord, make some things clear in our hearts and minds. Lord, help us to separate from playing the ideas of religion and things of that nature. The Lord, just turn to you. And, and, and Lord, work and build in our relationship with you and being strong, Lord. Not in our strength, not in our ability, but in yours, but in yielding and surrendering and in letting you have your way with us and obeying you, following your commands, yielding ourselves. Lord God, please, if we're not if we're not doing that, convict our hearts, smite us right in our hearts, and show us that we are failing as believers. We are failing to let you have what you paid for. Lord God, give us the ability to be able to lay it down and turn it over to you and let you have control of our lives. Lord God, somebody not saved, I pray for this to the day of salvation. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you work in the lives of these that are here and these that have listened in. Lord, we'll give you glory and praise you for all you're doing in our life. Bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. 118 this morning. I need thee every hour. Mm-hmm.
Praise the Lord for his blessed word. 